77 Sunset Strip. Right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 77 for Sunday, March 18th, 2012. I am Bill Wadman. And I am Dan Gottesman. And it is beautiful outside in sunny New York City. Indeed. We have a beautiful day. It is approximately 60 degrees. Yes. And the traffic sunny. on the BQE is... No. We're Light. Good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. BQE I can't do the traffic can get stuff. bad. Yeah, it's pretty can awful. Can you see I'm the BQE s- from your apartment? Um, I don't know. Let me... Uh, no. No, I cannot. Interesting. Close. If I, I can, if I get up on my roof, I can. Oh, is it like there's buildings in the way? Yeah. I don't have the, the, the line of sight. I'm, I'm on the wrong... I'm like in the corner, so to speak. I'm on the wrong side. I'm facing um, east, and I'm I'm southeast. I'm in the southeast uh, corner of my. That's building. weird. I always picture you facing north. Nope, my windows are all east facing. So when it when the sun comes out in the morning, I get a nice, heavy, hot blast of sunlight, which literally cooks my apartment and, and raises the temperature by you know a good fifteen degrees. It's got to be frustrating sometimes. Can be, which is why I have some nice curtains to help curtail the sunlight. Uh, but um, hey, uh, you know, I was just saw here on Ars Technica that um, the Deputy Assistant Administrator for Public Affairs for the FAA—that's the wow—that's a hell of a title, man. I know that's the Federal Aviation Administration. Told the New York Times that the agency is quote taking a fresh look at electronics use on planes. Huh. Bits blog writer Nick Bilton called the FAA next week, or last week rather, ready to pester them about travelers' inability to use personal devices during takeoff, taxiing, and landing. Instead, Browning, Brown revealed that the FAA will revisit their policy, which uh, was last tested in 2006, um, but with the advent of new technology and evolving electronics technology, uh, because the airlines have not conducted the testing necessary to approve the use of the new devices, the FAA is looking into it. It's about time. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, man. I'm surprised. That, um, uh, like, I can, underst- I, I can understand why they're crazy about, say, turning off your cell phones. I don't think that it would actually ever have any influence on the plane. Didn't, didn't Mythbusters one time take a plane and, like, put all kinds of things next to it and it didn't change anything? Uh, Unless it was completely unshielded, which no modern aircraft are. Right. No, I, I believe you. I haven't watched. You're more of a Mythbusters fan than I am, um, so I haven't seen as much of it as as, uh, as you have. Yeah. But uh, from what I know about how airplanes work and about how personal electronics work, uh, I have a hard time believing that a piece of personal electronics would have any sort of adverse effect on a piece of modern, you know, avionics, right. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's, uh, that's my take. It's kind of exciting though, because uh, it's it would be nice to just be able to get on an airplane with your Kindle or your iPad or your phone and not have to like put it away and take it out and turn it off and turn it on. You know what I mean? And play those games. Yeah, with the stewardesses. Yeah, you know, I've never been on the uh, uh, on a plane with Wi-Fi. You? Uh, I have a couple times. What what airline? Uh, shoot, what was it? I want to say it was Air Trans and one other one. Um, so like smaller ones. Uh, no, and I think my flight to Brazil had it too. I think that was Tam T A M, which is I think the, one of the Brazilian. Was airlines. it usable? Uh, well, I, they they wanted money. Ah, 
and uh the one it, one flight was like two and a half hours and i had stuff to listen to and watch anyway so i'm like i'm not gonna spend 15 dollars just for the you know for two hours of wi-fi um so, i mean it's not not that i'm not that i wouldn't do that if i needed to do something on the internet but right. you know on a short flight like that it's just not worth it the thing is and, that what, what they need to do is tell people look get on the wi-fi do your email browse the web whatever it is but don't go on netflix and start watching movies and ruining the bandwidth for everyone else yeah, I mean, have you been on it? I mean, you make it sound like that's that's happened to you. Well, that happens on say Amtrak has Wi-Fi a lot of times now. The Acela oh, okay. pl- trains, cool. Um, it, but nine times out of ten, your three G is actually more usable than the Wi-Fi. That's but sad. Th- but then you go down because essentially, I think what it is is they just have essentially like a MiFi kind of system, oh, right? God. Where it's like Wi-Fi, but essentially it's still a cell connection. That it's all going over. Hmm. So you might as well just use your own. Yeah. You know? Um, but I I think that the idea of Wi-Fi being much more ubiquitous is a good idea overall. Mm. Um, I, you know, uh, we'll get to them in a second. But I, I, you know, I got the new iPad, but I just got the Wi-Fi version. Mostly because I don't want to spend another $30 a month for, yeah. you know, for, for the another connection. Um, yeah. If it was $10 more a month and it could, like bridge my phone and my data on my iPad. And as long as I stayed under three gigabytes a month or, you know, whatever the rules are, um, yeah. that would be somewhat interesting to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I'm in the same boat. I, I, the way I look at it, I think my total out of pocket for my cell phone, um, is at around $80, like after taxes and you know, all that other crap. Right, uh, and that's also because I haven't changed my plan since since I first got it. So I'm technically still in that weird little grandfathered AT and T unlimited data plan. Yeah, but then again, as we've learned the past few weeks, unlimited yeah, that, is relative. It's subjective, which is fine. And I, I don't really ever go more than a right. gigabyte a, a month anyway. I think I've I've done the last time I looked, and I haven't looked in a while. I think I averaged maybe four four or five hundred megs a month. And you know what? No one, few people do. Like the people who bitch about oh. I only get two or three gigabytes. I use my phone a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not watching Netflix. I'm just, you know, checking the web or the weather yeah. or whatever it is. So, so here's I use my, a gig a month, maybe. My take on it is this. I, I If I could continue to pay the same amount of money, like the $80, gig, $80 a month, and, and have it so that I could have a, a, a Wi-Fi, sorry, not a Wi-Fi, but, you know, a, a 4G-enabled iPad, um, and you know, and... Um, the ability to tether my computer to it without yeah. having to pay extra. Cause that's the other thing, man. If you want to use the tethering service, they charge like another bucks, 20 yeah. or 30 bucks. Yep. And it's like, ugh, that's, you know, 20 bucks a month plus 30 bucks a month, yeah, just gets you know, stupid. plus my cell phone. It's just too much. Like I, yeah, I, I, I would say I'm fine. I mean, I, I would love it if I could just have it all sort of coexist on, on yep. one account or whatever you want to call it. And the other crazy thing is that with this new LTE, the, there are people, and I don't know what's going to change once everyone gets LTE and starts using it, but the people who have them now and are using them, they're getting faster ups and downs way faster than the cable modem I have at home, which is just yeah. crazy. They're getting 40 down and 30 up and like, yeah. it's like, like nuts speeds. Yeah. Wirelessly. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. That's That's been around since like the early 2000s though in Europe. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. In, in and Japan. in Korea. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but it's just the idea that I wonder if that's going to put pressure on like the cable operators to speed up their systems because it's like I'm a wired line and I'm half the speed of this wireless system. That, yeah, that's bullshit. That's just nuts. That's lame. Um, 
But it's it, it's just interesting. Yeah, so I got the Wi-Fi because I'm like, you know what? I can't afford... I don't, I don't need to be connected that much out in the world. And if I am, I always have my phone in my pocket, which I'm sure I'm going to carry around five times more than my iPad. So, mm-hmm. done, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because a lot of people go around looking for open Wi-Fi hotspots, mm-hmm. but they're pretty rare. It's true. Like, wide open, like, no, no strings attached ones, they are, they're increasingly rare. Or if you go get, like, say, Bryant Park, right, has Wi-Fi, but you right. try to get on it, and it's slow as molasses or unusable anyway. Right. So it's like, okay, well, what's the point? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. In the UK, if you don't have your um, Wi-Fi locked down, it's actually illegal, I think. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So that, like, if somebody comes and, and gets on your open Wi-Fi and commits a crime, it's your fault. As it should be. Yeah. But at the same time, I like the idea of, you know what? Like, if somebody who's sitting outside my building really needs to check their email and I get really bad cell reception in front of my building, like, I have no problem with you going onto my Wi-Fi to check your email on my guest Wi-Fi account. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I wish we could all be more like that so that well, we and, all, like, basically a big grid. Uh, and what you're talking a about. Socialist grid. Yeah, and, and the kind of thing you're talking about is not that outlandish. I mean, you, you, there is, I, I'm nearly certain... Um, yeah, if you wanted to, if you had a, a, a high end enough wireless router that one that, for example, supported multiple networks, like a, an internal network and then a guest network, you could, you could easily implement protocol and port restrictions so that, you know, okay, I'll only allow pop and IMAP, yep. you know, so that you can check your email, but you're not going to get HTTP or any other, you know, right. chat or web, you know, other large bandwidth gobbling, uh, protocols, you yep. know? Yeah, and that's and that's uh, totally what I wish the world could be like. But it seems like everyone's just locked down their system so much that no one's spreading. Yeah, well, I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems to be going in a weird direction. Um, it is uh, 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 a few days that you and I have had our iPads. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you think? I like it. Um, I'm, I'm is it coming... that different than your other one? Uh, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. Uh, yeah. it, it's my, I, I'm so I'm coming from an old first gen iPad, and uh, as I might have mentioned in the past, uh, I've slowly but surely begun using it more and more. Like I've been finding more. It's it's like one of those things where it's like you know you, you first start using some new thing, and you're like, all right, well this is this is fun, this is cute, uh, and then uh, as you continue to play with it, you you find an app or an application or a service or some sort of a little workflow or some combination um, that is actually kind of nice. You know, and and I might as I might have mentioned, um, this one of the one of the more uh, significant ones of those was the Capture One Pilot software. Yep. Which uh, integrated with, yeah, I think it was introduced with Capture One version six, which is a little over a year old now. And uh, that that was really cool. I'm like, oh wow, this is super useful. Um, <clears throat> and then you know, there's other, um, <clears throat> excuse me, g- <clears throat> games and uh, music stuff. And production stuff, like I was really impressed with GarageBand mm-hmm. for for the iPad, uh, and I had a lot of fun playing parts in on an iPad versus having to peck them in, you know, on a keyboard and mouse on my computer. And then the fact that they're integrated, so you can import your GarageBand files from your iPad to your computer for finishing or for sharing or whatever, it's it's kind of nice. Yeah, no, true. Um, you know, I uh, I was I was gonna I told you before that I actually downloaded one of those games. Oh, yeah. Um, what game did you get? Uh, Heather's playing with the iPad now, so I can't remember the exact name of it. But it's apparently the the big 
uh, 3D driving game. Mm -hmm. Like one of those ones where you, you know, turn the iPad to turn the steering wheel. Oh, yeah. Like Mario Kart. Is that how Mario Kart works? When Mario Kart for Wii came out. uh, Oh, it uses the gyroscope. Yeah. It came with a little steering wheel attachment accessory that you put the Wii mote inside. And there are officially there are three different modes of control. Um, the one that's, that's most common and that most people seem to like is the steering wheel mode, uh, which I tried for about 30 seconds and could not, could not get into. Uh, and then there's another one where you can use the nunchuck and the little, um, and the Wiimote, you know, sort of like a traditional controller thing. Uh, and then there are no, not like a, that's more of like a hybrid cause you still shake the, you shake the nunchuck to do, um, some stuff. Or no, I think you shake the Wiimote to do some, like flips and jumps and stuff like that. Uh, and then there's a, like a super basic mode where you just hold the, the Wiimote in, in both hands and it's like the old school, you know, uh, DS style or, you know, non, non, uh, accelerated, non accelerometer, like GameCube or whatever, you know, Super Nintendo style yeah, controls. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's not uncommon. I think a lot of driving games <clears throat> have that, uh, interface, um, thing, whatever you want to call it. System. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's Real Racing Two HD is what I got. Yeah, that's the one. Nice. Um, and it's it's look, it's I used to play uh, Project Gotham Racing on my Xbox. You had an Xbox? I had an original Xbox, which I bought the the uh, launch night of Xbox. Wow, that was, was, was like day, ten years ago, though. Right? It was yeah, like ten years ago, and um, I was I had dinner over my house, and a couple friends were over, including my friend Jeremy. And, is this here uh, in New York? It was in here in New York, and uh, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and Jeremy's like, you know, they're launching the new Xbox in Times Square tonight. You, like, it was like, you can go buy one. Uh, they opened up, the, you know, the big Toys R Us in Times Square. I do. Um, it was not open yet for as a store, mm. but they used it to sell the Xbox as the opening night. So I was like, you know what? Why not? Right? Like, I, I had a little extra money in my pocket at the time. Mm. I was like, you know what? Let's. I haven't had a game system since the original Nintendo. How much I was it back then? Was it, th- it was like 400 bucks, right? No, it wasn't that bad. I think it was maybe 250 Okay, so still in the $300 price range. Yeah, maybe it was 300 bucks. Yeah. Um, and so we went down there, and it was like, you know, madhouse, right? Billions of, course, of people all around. Sure. Um, but what they did was you got there, and they gave you a bracelet. And the bracelets were oh, like right. color coded or right, coded right, right. to different games or whatever it is. Sure. But then they said, "All right, go into." And at the time, across the street was the WWF restaurant or whatever it was. <laughs> um, they bought the entire place out, uh-huh. and they had Xboxes like all along the walls and free food. Like you could sit down and order and eat whatever you wanted. Wait, and, just for showing up? Yeah. Huh. So we went and we ate. Uh, yeah. Had like a burger or whatever it is, and then uh-huh. uh, then they called, you know. People with the blue ribbons or, you know, whatever it was. Wristbands. Blue bracelets, yeah. And we go over, and it was like 1 o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, and you go through this long line, and they gave us like three free games. Sweet. Yeah, it was actually pretty It was pretty cool. Uh, and I came home, and, and at the time, Halo was like, that was like the big killer app, right? Well, that was the launch title, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, Halo was a pretty great game. Hell yeah, um, dude. I, I never played all the way through. I've never been a guy who played those kinds of games all the yeah, way I'm, through. I just I'm I'm not a casually play them. Game. Yeah. The, this first-person shooter thing has never been one of my yeah. strong It's suits. fun, and it's impressive, and it's you know at the time, it was especially impressive. So I haven't owned a video game system since then. And mm. I, I played the Xbox, and then I ended up modding my Xbox because you could buy the chips. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so you, you can, can swap out the hard drive, and then you could like rip 
the games to the hard drive. Right. And you could also put the original Xbox Media Center on there. Right. So you get it was actually considering it was ten years ago and yeah. doing essentially what an Apple TV does now, it's pretty yeah. impressive. No, definitely. Um and so I used that for a few years. And I actually I had it in my closet for years and I ended up giving it away to some guy a couple of years ago. I put it up on Craigslist and said anybody wants to it wasn't working. Something was acting weird on it, like the chip had come loose or something. Hmm. Uh the mod chip. Because you mm-hmm. had to like solder uh, it. <laughs> yeah, no, this was actually not a soldered one. You oh, it was screwed like a clip-on. it. Yeah, and it like hit just the right places on the circuit board. <laughs> it was tricky. Nice. Um Anyway, the long story short is that I haven't added a game system since then, mm-hmm. and this uh, this driving game is normally like ten bucks or something, mm-hmm. but it's two ninety nine this week. Ooh! So I was like, you know what? For three bucks, let me see what gaming looks like on this thing because uh, it gets like four and a half stars. Sure. Um, and you know what? It looks as good as the Xbox did ten years ago. I'll Arguably bet. better, maybe because yeah. you know, um, all in a thing that doesn't really get hot and runs on batteries, and you know. And you can take it with you. And you can take it with you. Um, I will tell you, though, that driving, <laughs> when you're actually turning the screen uh-huh. as you drive, is... Okay, so there's two different modes. You can have it so that it uh, actually turns the horizon with the screen. So the screen... Like, what's on the screen doesn't change depending on how you have it turned, uh-huh. right? But then there's also... The other version is so that when you turn the screen, the horizon stays parallel with the real horizon. Hmm. Right, so like basically, you're you're shifting the viewpoint, like you're moving a camera around, um, which is actually very disconcerting, especially when you have like the world behind you. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just like it's one of these like vertigo things where your your eyes and your ears and your brain are all doing different things. Sure, um, but it's you know it's fun. You know it's it's a game for three bucks. I can understand. The, I mean, the amount of people who are are uh, serious gamers in this world is pretty small. You know, you think so? Well, I mean, not small, but like that, that gaming at this level is enough to satisfy probably 80% of the people out oh, there. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I thought, yeah, I, th- I, I guess you're talking about like the serious hardcore nerd gamers. Yeah, exactly. There not, are pl- not regular pedestrian gamers. No, 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 right. There are plenty of people playing, uh, um, uh, what's the, the angry birds, right? Of course. But like how many people are playing Call of Duty? What is it? You know, 50 million worldwide, you know, which is a ton of people. But like in this grand scheme of the world, they all have their consoles and they're never going to game on this thing. Mm. Um, uh, But and I wouldn't play a first person shooter on here. Mm. Um, I'm sure playing board games on here would be great. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, man. This driving game looks really good. There's a there's a really great board game. Um, That I so is there a Settlers of Catan for the iPad? There is. Uh, here, you know what? I'm going to start putting some links in because we're going to, since we're talking about it, we should share with our friends. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Settlers of Catan is, is okay. Um, is it just called Catan? Uh, I think it is. And there's a special version for iPad versus, there's an iPhone version as well. Um, cause the screen is so different. Yeah. Um, but the, the game I was going to talk about. Uh, or mention was uh, a digital version of a really fun bird board game called Ticket to Ride, um, and that is one of those you know kind of more boutiquey um, games uh, from Germany, <laughs> um, where all the good games seem to come from. Um, and I got to tell you, man, the um, the uh, iPad implementation of it is just really, really good. Uh, they did a really good job of it, and uh, 
I, 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 I mean, I, when it first came out and I was, you know, I was on a big ticket to ride, um, kick. I, I mean, I, I wasted hours, not wasted, spent, I'll say spent because it, it's a fun game. And, and the, the fact that you can play online against strangers, you can play with friends and then, then they, they incorporated a game center. Uh, you can play, um, and the, and, the, and the other thing, man, the other, I got to give them props, man. The company that makes this, um, days of wonder, days of wonder, they do a, they do a really great job. So, so ticket to ride 1.0 comes out, uh, we'll say last year. Right. And it gets like four and five stars immediately. And you know, hundreds and hundreds of downloads. I'm like, all right, that looks cool. And I get it. I think it's like five bucks or whatever. Uh, and it's great. Um, but you start poking through the feedback and the user forums on their website, and there's this pretty significant list of things that would be nice. They're like, oh, man, I love it, but I want to be able to play with my friends. If we had some sort of a you know, non-network multiplayer version, you know, that would be great. Or if you could fix this one little thing in the, in the, you know, when I do this, or if we could turn the sound off, or if we can do you – know, like these little, just little nitpicks. Yep. Um, and sure enough, you know, a month or so later, maybe six weeks later – uh, an update comes out and like every one of those issues is addressed and, and taken into consideration. So and they're like, actually listening. Yeah. And then like, and I've been, you know, like I said, I've had it probably for about a year and there've been maybe four or five major updates. Uh, and every time they, they just keep making it a little bit better, you know, figuring out these little, just little tweaks and little, you know, things that, that, that just make it, um, uh, a better game and a better experience, uh, from an app standpoint, not, you know, obviously the game, the gameplay itself is the gameplay, you know, you know, you can't really change that, but, but you can change the way that the, the, the thing feels and handles and it's just gotten better. And, and they, since then they've also released, uh, an iPhone version, if you can imagine that. Um, and you know, I, I say that because this game is kind of big. I mean, it takes place on a, on a map, like the board itself is like a map of the United States. So and there's lots of little pieces uh, and there's lots of cards. So you kind of need some some physical space to play it. But they figured out really nice little design ways to uh, to make the most of the space. And uh, I grabbed the iPhone version when it was on sale for a dollar, or I think it was free actually for a week or something like that. And and it's you know it's just as satisfying. It's just as fun. So big ups to Ticket to Ride if if anybody's into those fun little strategy games. Um, and and the other thing, the thing that I love most about it is that it takes when you, when you're playing the real game, the actual board game, Ticket to Ride, with you know with a bunch of friends at, at a table. Uh, there's a, a considerable amount of setup and teardown, um, you know, because there's all these little train car pieces and there's cards to count, and you know, it, it, you know, it, it's it takes a while. Like it, I would say, it takes about half an hour to forty five minutes to play one game with four people, maybe all long. of which you can just ignore. Well, with a digital version. You can play a four-person game in like ten minutes, like fifteen yeah. minutes, you know, and it just ba- and you can play two-player games in like five minutes. You can bang it out. It's like yeah. amazing. So that's really fun. Well, you know, it, one thing I find interesting. Okay, so I, as I don't know, famously on this podcast, I did not like my iPad too. Uh huh. Um, that was so famous. I remember that. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, we talked about it for a while. It's true. Um. I will say that the new screen on the new iPad yeah. makes the device suddenly it's interesting to me in a way that it never was. Huh. That new screen changes everything for me. Because oh. it's like reading stuff on it's not as annoying. Hmm. Uh, you could fit more stuff on it. Pictures actually look, you know, uh, display worthy on it. Ooh, display worthy. Well, I mean, I guess uh, portfolio worthy. Like uh, okay. I would show I people my pictures on there to somebody who was important, who I wanted to impress in a way that I would never do on the old iPad. Huh? The old iPad just looked like a little computer screen to me. Huh? Where this one actually looks really good. 
obviously. I mean, it's quadruple the resolution, right? Sure. Um, so it, it's it's interesting. So in the same way that these games and stuff, I mean, it's like okay, suddenly this is this is intriguing to me. Now I'm not a big gamer, as we've talked about before, um, and I got the driving game for whatever you know, just for fun. Yeah. Um, but there, like, I got a there's an app called Art Authority, mm-hmm. which is like this ten dollar app, and you name an artist, like a visual artist, like a sculptor or painter or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it somehow there's like some database that it looks at on its site and it downloads high res versions of all of their works. Huh? So you can like flip through them. Neat. Yeah, no, it's great. So you say Michelangelo or Van Gogh or Pollock and it goes and it like searches the whole, the whole world. So, you know, all these different places where there's art images that you can go grab. Um, and what's cool about it is you can actually search by subject. You could say, show me paintings of angels or whatever else. <laughs> okay. And it'll it'll grab, like, all the paintings of angels through history. So or, somebody took the time and keyworded and cataloged and yes. photographed all yeah. of this stuff. And, and you're yeah. basically, this is sort of like a nice front-end access yeah. to that database. Exactly. Cool. Um, and you could do, like, say, show me everything at the Uffizi or the Louvre or wherever. Wow. Um, so I could imagine... I mean, not everything at those places, but everything in the collection that is at those places. I mean, um, that can be a really significantly helpful, useful, re- unbelievable uh, like reference history tool. class. Yeah, yeah a reference tool. Totally. Now, the only thing I don't like about it is that you it it sort of is downloading them every time, and it downloads like one image per second or whatever it is. Uh-huh. So you can't go to the thumbnails page and like look at all six hundred Van Gogh paintings or whatever it is. Like it's like one comes in. Two comes in. Oh, as far as the thumbnails in, are concerned, four, yeah, it's like I almost wish I got a sixty-four gig iPad. I could, I wish I could say, look, take five gigs to cash, yeah, and just chug on my Wi-Fi for a couple hours and get me enough that I don't have to do this every time, you know? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that have you the Dropbox uh, app? Uh huh. Um, is so it has this feature. Well, first of all, if you click on an image, even high res image, uh-huh. it shows you a low res version in the Dropbox app. It doesn't show you the full res. It, the Dropbox app? Oh, you're talking about on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah. Well, on the iPad, sure, too. Sure, sure. So it's kind of annoying. It's like I have full res images up on my Dropbox. is like but safety see them, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I can't just look at I can't use that to like show people stuff. No, you know? it, it gives you a compressed version. Also, um, you know, there's a way to, to uh, star stuff, favorite it, and then it keeps it locally. Mm-hmm. But you can only favorite individual items. You can't favorite like a whole folder. No, it's so true. if I had a folder that's like my portfolio folder or whatever it is, I can't just say grab everything in that folder. Yeah. Um, so there's like little like things that are kind of annoying. Right. Um, but I guess those are decisions made by the, the app makers. Um, but um, but yeah, so this art thing is just re- – I don't know. That kind of stuff's really cool. Or there's you know there's an app out there that uh, grabs all of the text on Wikipedia – and keeps it locally. And it ends up being like six gigs of text. Wow. But you could have all of Wikipedia locally on your iPad. So, you know, you're on a plane or on a train or whatever it is, and you can just like flip through Wikipedia and read about World War II or, you know, Michelangelo or, you know. Or challenge your friend in an argument. <laughs> or challenge your friend in an argument. Yeah. I mean, I would give up on a 64 gig iPad. I'd give up four gigs to have all of Wikipedia with me all the time. Yeah. 64 on a 64 gigger for sure. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of it's like certain things start becoming interesting. Um, images, getting them on there is kind of cool. Although, you know, it's funny. If you just use the regular photo part of iTunes to get stuff on, um, it shrinks down images to like, it's like 3,000 and change. 
Uh-huh. Which I think is interesting. So it's almost like double size of the resolution, something around there, you mm-hmm. know. So you could like double click and it zooms in and it's still sharp, but like it doesn't go full res. Um, and I've been looking for a good app to use for a, sort of like a portfolio on the thing. Yeah. And there's a bunch of them and all of them have like three stars or less. Mm. Um, and and almost all of them cost like 20 bucks, mm. you know, for a thing that essentially just shows images. Yeah, that's kind of like, th- and that touches on one of my, you know, long. I mean, I think everyone has has thought about this since the advent of the App Store, but just the ability to return or get a refund, you know, yeah, that's just, that's like a, such a. It seems like such a crucial yeah. oversight, you know. It's you like, can on on Android if you delete it before fifteen minutes is up, it gives you your money back, right? And that's all you need, man. Five, it's, it five, really ten minutes be is all way. you need. Yeah, I want to be able to play with it for five ten minutes. That's it, and then, yeah. Especially, you know, it's one thing when it's ninety nine cents. It's quite another one. It's twenty. That's bucks. what I'm saying. Yeah, ninety. Maybe they maybe they can even implement it so that it's only for apps that are over ten bucks or whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think I, maybe they've been holding that one. You know, as a as a as a gimme or you know as a as a bonus feature for the next major announcement. To, you know, just to yeah. make make things seem maybe. bigger. But they 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 see. I the question is how many purchases that people make they would delete in five minutes. Because how much of the stuff that you've bought over the over the years? I mean, you you actually buy apps, right? I've bought maybe a dozen apps in my life. I'm mm-hmm. not a big app buyer. I buy tons of apps. Um, you buy tons of stuff. How many of them would you have deleted after ten minutes? Half? Oh, not half. I would say maybe I don't know a dozen or two. Okay, tops. I can't. I mean, but, I have to think about it. Um, yeah, but it's just. But you think about that, and you're like, okay, well, that's twenty four dollars at least out of Apple's pockets or whatever it is. You yeah, know, but, like, but it's also you know. More respect and and uh, customer. Have you ever known Apple to do anything that has to do with respect? Uh, yeah, that's that's how they make all their money, dude. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, it's not really respect. Yeah, people it's, people uh, have a tendency to be a little bit uh, fond of their Apple products and to the, no, they love their Apple products, yeah. but I don't think that has anything to do with Apple actually. No, I'm talking doing about people, stuff that makes people happy. Well, that's that's I think that's how it works, man. When 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 you do something and and people like it. That is them respecting you. And then when you do something uh, that they ask for, you know, when someone says, hey, we want a thing that does this, and then you do yeah. it, then they respect you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do. But do you think that Apple does that? I, you don't think they do? Well, look at the iPad 3, dude. That, people have been clamoring for this thing for, for months. You know? No, no, no. I th- people love the stuff they make. I just don't think that, like, they're going to change their policy on returns in order to make people happy. They're th- more concerned about, like, eh, screw it. Like, we'll make an extra 30%. Because uh, couldn't they easily have done this I, I can't. Months, I mean, I, years I, ago? It's weird, man. I've had this conversation with so many people lately, like in the past two weeks, and I, I guess I just don't get it. Um, the, the, you don't think they never thought of this? Of course they thought of no, this. Android's been doing it for three that's years. That's what I'm so saying. They haven't implemented it, and it's not a technical reason why they haven't implemented it. It's a marketing it's because, reason, of course. I understand exactly. that. But but the question is, it's like, but the thing I'm talking about, the 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 thing that that I still haven't, I just I don't understand why people so quickly and so easily assume that a company is evil, you know, or that a company is like is like out to to to, to frustrate its customers. It's like, come on. That, that, I mean. It just, I don't it think they're out so to frustrate their customers. I just think that they put making money above frustrating their customers. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's obviously there's there's obviously a trade off. You know, you have to draw the line somewhere. Right. But uh, the people I've been talking to, and it's not just Apple. There's a couple of other companies too. But they're they're just. It seems so widely accepted and 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 understood that 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 is a thing that 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 companies do. That there are companies that are out there to screw people. You know, and it's just like. 
I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, maybe I'm well. Cu- customer uh, company's job is to make money, right? And if 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 making your people like you more is going to make you more money, then that's worth doing. But if it's not, they're not going to. Yeah, do but it. how does that make any sense though? Why would anybody deal with a company that they don't that that they don't like that they make something you know that they're that is that is mean that they're mean or bad or or evil? Well, it's 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 all a sliding scale. Like if this is the best you can get, then that's what they're going to do. You know, I, I want to be able to use I photo on my iPad, even though I don't like the fact that I can't return my apps, so I guess I'll just deal with the fact that I can't return my apps. Doesn't mean they like everything Apple does. No, I know. I know. It, um, speaking a, of iPhoto for the iPad, did you download it? I didn't yet. I've actually, here's another weird little funny story. Uh, a long time ago, I was given a gift card, an Apple Store gift card. Uh, it was for 50 bucks. And I, I've, got, I've just kind of had it either in my wallet or sitting in a, a little stack somewhere. And I, I just never, I always forgot about it. You know, I never really used it. So finally, I, you know, I got the new iPad. I'm like, oh, you know, I should check out some of these apps. Um, so I'm like, oh, yeah, now's a good time to use the gift card. Because, you know, the one thing I do spend money on is, uh, is applications. Because I don't really go into Apple stores all that often. And um, so I go to the iTunes Music Store. And I try to redeem my little code. And it turns out that this particular gift card is only usable with uh, on the regular Apple store, like store.apple.com or any brick-and-mortar retail store. That's weird. Yeah, well, they, I guess they have two different systems, you know? So there's iTunes gift cards and there's Apple gift Correct. cards. Correct. So I have an Apple gift card. Now, here's what here's here's the funny little thing that I did, though. Uh, so what I, what I did was I went to store.apple.com. I found a $50 iTunes gift card, <laughs> And I was able to use my. <laughs> you bought an iTunes gift card with your Apple. Gift I did, card. and and they're sent, and then and I guess for whatever reason they're shipping it to me for free. So okay, that's just funny. So I'm waiting for this this other gift card to arrive in the mail, and then I'll get a code. You think you could have just bought? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a code. It's just a code, right? But no, I have to wait for this stupid package to arrive. So it'll hopefully come, you know, sometime this week. And the, then I I have a small list of apps that I'm going to buy. Um, you know, that are a couple bucks, including the uh, iPhone. iPhone is first on the list. You know, it's um, you got it. It's not right. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's fine. You know, I you guess. know what I'm really actually kind of psyched about, and you can confirm this. I've heard this is true, but you have it sitting there. Is it true that you can actually manage your folders on the device now? So I can like you can manage your folders on the device on the iPhone without that. No, you can't. Yeah, move you can. files from one folder to another. Are we talking photos? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I figured this out the other what day. Do you mean? You go into your, you go into images, right? You go into edit, wait, or I'm so you see albums, oh, albums. like your list edit. of albums. Yeah. All right, you hit edit, uh-huh. and then you can make a new, you can add a new album, and then you can select all the different images you want to go into that album. But what if I want it to move al- images from my camera roll into an everything? Existing... Is all anything you shoot in your camera roll yeah. is always in your camera roll, right? But you can also put it in other folders. But I want to. So how do you? How do I? I don't know that there's a way to ever get them out of camera. That's roll. what I want to do. Okay, I don't think that that's possible. Oh. Or at least not that I found. All right. Well, I'm, I was hope, I'm um, hoping that I, iPhoto can do that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I One thing I did notice, though, is if you sync uh, images over, say, from iTunes, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that you can mess around with those in folders. Hmm. Like, those are sort of read-only in some way. Hmm. That The whole idea is that you can only do stuff with pictures you've taken on there. Huh. Some kind of weird thing. There's some kind of weird thing about it hmm. that I, I was playing with. Um 
As far as usability, like, would it be useful if I was on vacation and all I had was my iPad and I had a camera connection kit and could put, like, you know, medium-sized JPEGs on there and play with them and upload them to Facebook? Sure. Yeah, I guess it's useful for that. Um, Speaking of which. But it's still an ARM processor, right? This is not, you know, it was interesting. um, John Gruber put up a thing the other day. And first of all, he was just like, the new iPad is almost, it's like almost the same size as a glossy magazine. And it's like. No, it's about half the size of a glossy magazine, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote him and said, it's about, like, unless you're talking about TV Guide from the 1980s, it's about half the size, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and he wrote back on Twitter. Oh, yeah? He's just like, he's like, yeah, but magazines have margins. It's like, yeah, so do web pages and apps for your phone or, you know, for the iPad, too. So that's a crappy reason, but whatever. Mm. I digress. Um, but, uh, um, what was I saying? Uh, so yeah, it's useful for that, yeah. but like I wouldn't use it. It's not look. It's it's an ARM processor. If you look at like even JavaScript benchmarks, um, there's that there's that Sun Spider or whatever it is. You know the big JavaScript benchmark everyone uses. Mm-hmm. And somebody uh, tested the um, the latest iPad, and let's say it comes out to be like I don't know uh, twenty seconds or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. A low end MacBook Air does it in three seconds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, there's orders of magnitude between these Intel processors we have in our laptops and these things we have in our phones. True. And the iPad. So your your iPad is not going to take the place of a Mac Pro with Lightroom on it. No. You know. Of course um, not. Right. But there are people who kind of like talk like, oh, well, this is all you need now. It's like, well, if you're not really doing anything, it might be all you need. And you're shooting with a camera that isn't that powerful. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of like, uh, it's, I think it's wishful thinking to think that it's anything more than for your mother and for triage sessions. Sure. Now that said, there's one app that I hear is out there. Um, cause I said something in my email or on my blog post on the subject uh-huh. saying, it'd be great to be able to say I'm out on a, a job. Right. And let's say I have the new five D three. Right. And I shoot raw and JPEG small. Right. I load the JPEG smalls onto my iPad and on the train home or on the plane home, yeah. I can file them around and put stars and color or code and whatever it is sure. and then sync that back with Lightroom yeah. when I get home. That'd be sweet. Apparently, there's an app to do it oh, yeah? called Photosmith, huh. which is called, which they say is it's like uh, the best time to organize photos is when you take them. Mm-hmm. And, and basically what it does is it syncs between Lightroom and itself. Um, metadata, hmm. which apparently the first version that came out is is okay, but not quite what it's supposed to be. But there's a version two coming out soon hmm. that people have uh, said really good things about. Hmm. Uh, it was our good friend, uh, a friend of the show, Gary Yost, who uh, told me about it. Neat. So um, I'm look, I kind of looking into that. That's kind of interesting to me because um, there's one thing that I could honestly see using it for. Totally. You know, no, totally. Manually just going through photos. Um, Anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I found a new, speaking of uh, other cool photo-specific uh, iOS apps, uh, I stumbled upon something called Photo Forge 2, which is the closest thing to a functional version of Photoshop I have seen um, so far. I mean, obviously, there's, there's this new, I haven't tried this new Photoshop for iOS, the Photoshop Touch that came Apparently, that came it's out. Uh, Adobe Air-based. Great. <laughs> yeah. um, but this little one, this is cheap. Uh, it's like two or three bucks. Uh, and I just like the way it's laid out. Um, is it more phone only? No, no, it works on both. Okay. But it, it, you know, if you do uh, shooting like I do, I do a pretty decent amount of iPhone shooting. 
you know, between uh, hipstamatic sharing stuff and uh, what's the other thing I use? Uh, uh, Instagram and, you know, just various, you know, I, I'm definitely one who monkeys with his photos a little bit before, you know, I'll, before finishing, you know, I'll take a, yep. a, a shot with either the built-in camera and, and, you know, maybe crop it or, or tweak it somehow. Um, and th- this is a really handy little tool for, for just, you know, again, for, it's got a, gr- a bunch of really nice little built-in effects and you could do layers. You could do basic, um, basic editing and masking and stuff, which is kind of neat. Not that I could see myself yep. needing that on a regular basis, but every once in a while, well, I guess that's the thing, even with the, the Photoshop, what is it called? Photoshop express? I don't know. What is it? Or on the app? It's just that like, yeah, you can do some masking stuff and layers and whatever it is, but not at the level that you can really no, do. No, it's true. It's true. Right. But anyway, um, I, I I got it and uh, I'm pleased with it so far. I haven't I haven't been outside. That's not bad. Yeah, I haven't and I haven't been outside. You know, on a I haven't taken any pictures in a while. So yeah. But next time I uh, I do, I will be sure to play with it some more. I would love. You know, there are some apps out there that do camera control from the iPad. Oh, correct. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I have one. Do they actually now? Do they do? Can they grab live view or are they? Uh, Probably not. Um, I don't think so. I think the only thing that can do that is the new, obviously that new, uh, the new Nikon thing. But that's not even, that's not even an iOS thing. That's just because the camera has a built-in web server, you know, and you just right. Leave it but as it's a web page. not. Isn't it web serving images? It's not web serving like video. It, is no, it? it is. It can. I thought it has like uncompressed HDMI, and that was the big thing. No, the, the it does that too. But if you okay. if you plug, uh, as I understand it, if you plug a D four into your network and you turn okay. on the, the little built-in web server on the camera, you can hit it from any web browser that's also on the network. And from there you can get live view uh, previews. So if you have a camera, oh, a remote camera installed somewhere, you can see what it's, what it's seen. Okay. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. sweet. Um, I just, it would be, it, I could imagine if you were a, um, uh, a landscape photographer uh-huh. or still life, mm-hmm. you know, and you could have your camera set up on a tripod, or whatever it is, but you're looking at full res and controlling on a thing. I mean, it's I mean, it's less useful for still life, I guess, because they're being a studio anyway and could be using a big screen to do it. Um, but the resolution of the screen of the little iPad is is high enough now that you could actually, you know, using it as a viewfinder essentially, yeah, uh, is interesting. No, it's very cool. Yeah, um, supposedly you can do up to ten. You can have up to ten cameras in one browser too, which is interesting. Kind of neat. That's pretty I think, I think it'll be pretty sweet for the guys who like shoot the Olympics and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, there's all those other photo-y kinds of things you can do. Like the, uh, you know, there's all those, um, where's the sun at this time of day in this place? Oh, yeah. There's a couple crap. of those for sure. Right. And then, but the thing is, is that most of those work just as well on the iPhone. Yeah. And you always have network connectivity there. That's true. That you might not have with your iPad, especially if it's Wi-Fi. That's true. Um, so there, uh, there, there, I guess that's the thing is that there's a lot of things you can do with it, but there's a lot of things you can do with it that work just as well on your phone and you have your phone with you anyway. Yeah. Um, the other, another one is that the release, those, those, you know, there's a couple of release programs, the model, model release releases. Ones. Yeah, release. I love mine. And those, I mean, they're great on the phone, but you can see how it'd be a little bit more manageable yep. on an iPad. Yeah. Yeah. If you bring your iPad with you, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I use one called easy release, which is great. Yeah. Um, the, um, so I don't know. Overall, it's 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 a much more compelling thing for me with that new screen. Agreed. It always bothered me. Like the low res screen, it was always like I feel like I'm using like a netbook. 
I mean, did you see that thing that they posted somewhere? I think like nobody makes netbooks anymore. <laughs> netbooks are yeah. I'm, or, I'm or I think surprised. Dell stopped making netbooks. I think Dell stopped making computers. Actually, uh, yeah. Well, they make those Alienware things too. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of computers, uh, this last Friday was one year of me using a Hackintosh as my main machine. You're kidding? It's already been a year. Nope. One year because it was my sister's birthday last year. Huh. Um, and uh, and I just figured a couple seconds here uh, saying that I'm still happy using a Hackintosh. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And it still works great, and I still run Lion. Uh, and I was telling Dan before the show that I just recently got uh, purchased, I haven't received it yet, uh, the new Intel 520 SSD, which is a 240 gig SSD, their 520 line, which uh, uses a Sandforce controller, and it's very fast, and it's very reliable, apparently. Um so I just got one of those, uh, and it's it's going to be part of a new build that I'm doing. A new I'm I'm so happy with the Hackintosh that I'm going to make another one. Amazing. Uh, so you- so really, I'm just waiting for the Ivy Bridge chips to come out. Ivy Bridge and uh, yeah, which is the new you know Sandy Bridge or the or the last generation oh, Ivy Sandy Bridge is the new generation. Sure. Um, and uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. First is that uh, with the, some of the high-end motherboards, there will be supposedly Thunderbolt installed, mm, like on uh, the board, integrated on the board, on the board. Nice. Yeah, and we'll do we'll so, do the same thing that, that the Macintosh boards do, where it'll shoot video out there as well. Um, I it looks. I mean, the ones they're showing are actually mini Display Ports, so I'm assuming that that's sort of becoming the standard. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, my guess though is that because all of the Thunderbolt chipsets are all the Intel chipsets that it'll be fine working with Mac OS, even as a Hackintosh, you know? Mm. Um, that's my assumption. Mm. Not that I, the thing is though, the other advantage you get is Ivy bridge has built in USB three. Mm. So it's kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> I mean with a single hard drive and stuff, USB three is just as fast See, as Thunderbolt's going to be have too. Have you had any hands on with anything USB three yet? No, because I've never had a U. I've never. I this machine is just old enough that it doesn't have USB three. Yes, I, I. But people who use it, it's it's as fast as it's it's a big enough pipe that it's not the weak link in the chain. Huh. I see. I still haven't had any hands on it. I haven't found. I mean, you can get. Uh, I think Sonnet maybe somebody maybe newer somebody makes a nice looking PCI card that has two eSATA and two uh, USB three ports on it. Um, and that'll work in a in a Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Hackintoshes people run yeah. USB And then there's 3. a ton of little, uh, not a ton, but there's a handful of little PC Express cards that have a U- you know USB 3 port. But I haven't actually had a had one with a USB 3 hard drive or any other device. What I have started seeing yeah. now, um, I'm sure you well, maybe you haven't noticed this, but um, not not too long ago, maybe six months ago, uh, Lexar or Lexan, Lexar, Lexar, Lexar and SanDisk, the two big... Um, CF card manufacturers stopped making FireWire 800 based compact flash card readers and yes. they've become extremely rare and coveted and you I mean yeah. they used to cost like you know 50 60 bucks and now you, you can find them on eBay for like $200 you know like $150 yeah. it's ridiculous um yeah. and and the replacement is this USB 3 business uh and I saw one yeah. uh in a package but I haven't actually you know again haven't had the chance uh, to use it it's a five megabit connection. So it's, I mean, theoretically it's half the speed of uh thunderbolt, but you know, no, no Thunderbolt's hard drives 10 gigabit, are rare. Dude. I mean, this is five megabits, gigabit. or five gigabit, five gigabit oh, rather. Wow. 
Well, like I said, I, yeah, I would love to see it. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, theoret- it's, it's not as high tech, or whatever it is, but also the the stuff to plug into it doesn't cost twice as much as it should. You know, right. just because the controller. Right, right. Um, it's supposed to be very fast, and there's plenty of Hackintosh people who use USB three, so that's cool. The other thing I get, which I don't have now, is um, the uh, SATA six. Oh, the six G, you know, the 6G, SATA three, six yeah. G SATA, which. The, obviously, this new SSD can even saturate that. Sweet. You know, can almost saturate that. So that's a big jump. Nice. Up. Um, but the one thing that I'm really interested in is that the integrated graphics in the high-end Sandy Bridge or the Ivy Bridge chips, um, this new, uh, I think it's called HD 4000. Mm. Um, 4000. Yeah. It, I think it might be fast enough that I don't need another video card. What do you mean? Why would you need another video card? Yeah. Well, right now, I, I, you know, a lot. There's a lot of a lot of people have integrated. Oh, graphics, that's right. You, but you're going to recycle your existing. I, I keep thinking when you get another computer, you're going to have another computer and you'll have two, but you're going to replace your existing one. So you'll, you're talking about just taking the video card out of your existing machine and putting it in your old. No, one. no, 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 no. I, I'm I'm not going. To, I'll just use the integrated graphics. Oh, on I see. CPU you don't. You're, as my you're talking about not needing an actual dedicated graphics card. Yeah, not using a discrete GPU. Huh. Because. I mean, the only thing that I use that uses a GPU at all is, you know, beyond the interface, which works fine on these. I mean, yeah, even integrated graphics is way fast enough for that mm-hmm. stuff now um, is uh, is I mean, Photoshop does the OpenGL stuff, yeah. but that's not, it doesn't even do that hardcore of stuff. True. You know, a lot of, a like lot of those heavy duty routines haven't been properly. Right. I'm not doing any 3D stuff. I rarely ever do heavy video stuff. And even the video stuff I do, I'm not doing lots of stuff. And I'm not doing compositing and stuff. Yeah. Um, And the idea of having a machine, so it's integrated GPU. And I was actually even going to get one of those little sealed uh, liquid coolers. So like, you know, it sits on top of the thing and it goes to a little, you know, they have these little systems. They're like $70 Uh and they're like dead silent. So I could get my machine going with like one fan. Like a Mac mini. Almost like a Mac Mini that has five hard drives. I love in it. it. Sounds great. You know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I priced it all out, and it ends up being <laughs> uh, Apple people. It's going to be approximately twelve hundred dollars, and that is for the top of the line CPU that I'll probably overclock to like four and a half gigahertz mm-hmm. uh, with thirty two gigs of RAM. Mm-hmm. This new SSD. Mm-hmm. How many cores? I'm going to the processor. Six, uh, four. four. This one's uh-huh. four. Um, there's no, I mean, I don't, the stuff I do, there's not really any big advantage to, yeah, to at least six. force force what you want. Yeah. This is, this is like um, the successor to the I seven basically. Right. Yeah. This is, this is an I seven. Yeah. It's an I seven thirty seven seventy or something. I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's unlocked so you can overclock it. Uh, so 32 gigs of Ram, this fast SSD, I'll pull the old hard the big hard drive, my data stores out of this one. Um, and a new case, new power supply, all the rest of it. But like, it's like, Twelve, thirteen hundred dollars. Sounds great for like crazy fast. Machine. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Like crazy fast. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. so something new. But I'll, I'll you keep know what we should do. We should uh, do a build, yeah, man. We should we should blog that. We should like videotape it. Maybe video it. Yeah, we should do like a. All right. Well, Ivy Bridge is supposed to be out in the next few weeks, so uh, we will uh, we'll make that'll that be happen. fun. Um, and then uh, so what do you what do you think about this whole Mike Daisy thing? Oh, God. Um, you don't want to talk. No, about it's it? fine. Whatever. It's just it seems it's already been talked out. You know, um, uh, whatever. I mean, it's theater, dude. You know, it. The guy's a storyteller. He, I mean, he 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 sells tickets. You know. Yeah, but do you think that he? Okay, when he's talking to this American Life and whatever it is, you don't think that he knows exactly what this American Life is 
and that I mean he kind of pulled one over I can on play, them. I can see both both sides of it, man. I mean, I've been listening to This American Life like for a really long time, like since since it was a local Chicago radio show, like since before they hit it big, back in the you know early two thousands, late nineties. And dude, some of that stuff was super like whimsical and speculative, and and more just like you know people telling stories, you know. Not so much like yeah. hardcore journalistic reporting integrity, blah blah. You know, it, it's. I mean, it got that way, I, and and to their credit, they. I think the quality uh, has only gotten better over time. But I don't consider this American Life to be on the same par as the New York Times as far as journalistic integrity is concerned. You know, okay. I'm not going to take everything they say. You know, yeah, as as the literal truth. Just because, I mean, go back and look at, look at some of the stuff that they some of these. Um, you know, some of these uh, episodes that they've had and, and some of the, they're anecdotal. I mean, they have like random recordings of people telling stories about stuff and who do people exaggerate? People tell stories. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when you're telling a story and you're talking about something that is as big as what he was talking about, I think it's, no, you deserve a little bit more. I, I hear what you're saying. Screaming. I hear what you're saying. And, and, and it's true. He definitely waved the flag much higher and much louder, if you will, much, you know, much more obviously than, than a lot of the other stuff that's happened. Um, on that show. Uh, and it's actually kind of crazy, man. I, you remember that show that, um, that movie starring Matt Damon about the months, was it Monsanto? The, the, the crops. Uh, thing? I haven't watched it, but I, know what you're um, about. I can't remember the name of the movie. The food. Yeah, it was one? about, yeah. it was about like this. It basically followed this guy who was, uh, uh, an executive who turned into uh, a mole. He basically, you know, he got caught trying to, um, in, in fixed prices or something like that. Uh, and then yeah. he turned himself into the FBI and then became like this amazing um, source for them, like re- providing them with all this evidence and recordings uh, like of, of these meetings that he would have where these guys were doing price fixing on, on like the prices of, of weed or whatever. Um, right. That whole, that book, that story came out based on a report from this American life. I remember hearing that originally broadcast like years ago uh, in Chicago. Right. Um, and I thought that was kind of neat. And I, I think there's, there's, there's been several occasions of that, you know, where, where th- this American life has sort of raised awareness enough for a certain issue for it to get picked up by. Yeah. And I'm news. all for that. I just feel like I think maybe, I don't know. I think he's, he's leaning back on the fact that like, oh, I'm, I'm just an entertainer. Like now that he kind of got caught and it's like, well, all right. I mean, what do you, you know? You're, what do you, so what's your point? What do you, what do you want him? What do you want him? I guess happen. he should he should have said to them when he was doing it like hey you know some of this stuff is sort of composited from a bunch of different things mm. mm-hmm. you know cuz I'm sure he had lots of interviews and talks with editors and whatever mm-hmm. it is and I feel like he I mean this kills all of his credibility as any sort of you yeah, know well, what I mean? that, that's that's the choice he made I mean he, I he know, ran just, that risk it just it, it just seems shitty because like now this American life had to retract and now they're doing a whole show about the that's retraction fine. and now it's you know um I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, I'm. I, uh, I mean, I, I don't really care. I think he got what what came to him, you know. And I, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. And I, I think Amer- this American Life maybe takes them. They take themselves a little too seriously. Like they made a really yeah, big deal out of it. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, I put another link in the show notes. That I don't know if you saw this. Uh, this old camera on the front of a five. Oh yeah, I did see that. Weird. What um, with that? Yeah. For the for those of you who haven't seen it, this guy took some. Uh, uh, 1919 folding camera made, uh, in 1919 mm-hmm. and pulled the back off of it and stuck it sort of on the front of a five D Mark two with no lens on it and took pictures through this lens that was in this whole hmm. thing. 
Um, and he took pictures. There's the, the the one in this blog post is uh, this picture of his dog apparently sitting on the on the because apparently people who do this kind of stuff have nothing but their pets to take pictures of. Doesn't seem to happen a lot. It's like pictures of dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and they show like look at how sharp the lens is. Like even from a hundred years mm-hmm. ago, and it's like. Yeah, okay. The the shot he shows is fairly sharp on the, on the front of the dog. But the front of the dog is almost dead center on the lens. That's true. And you know, I don't understand. Sh- show me 100% of the corner of the lens. And how much is this cropped? Well, and, and also, you know, dude, I mean, he's, lenses, he's putting the, the film plane where the lens would go. Like at the bottom, at the back of the lens. So there's, there's still like a good inch and a half. Maybe, no, more than yeah. that. Like three inches between where the film in that camera would have sat, Should have been, you know, yeah. and, and so it's, it's got to be doing some weird stuff optically. You know, you're not getting. Yeah, I'm sure it is. You're not getting the you same know. picture. But I think I think part some of like the more hipster commenters on this are see like, see, you know, even old stuff can look really great, and it's yeah, like, whatever. yeah, it can. But let me see like actual full resolution and show me the corners and show it yeah, to but me. That's not what the point that's is. That's not though. just you're, black. You're being silly now. No, that's, well, no, I just I guess my point is that like, yeah, okay, lenses have. I mean, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, lenses haven't changed that no, much but, in the past. But, but well, here's the thing. The reason why the reason why I think this is cool, and not that I think it's that cool, but I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here and to argue with you. Okay. Um. I I think there is still an inherent value in uh, the pr- the the character and the the personality of of certain lenses. Uh, I still for I can't even explain it. For some reason, I I my friend Jason uh, gave me a couple of old. He 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 wanted this huge buying spree when he was in, he was getting into sixteen millimeter film, right? And so he bought all these right. really terrific packages of cameras. Um, so that I could build this really nice kit. And a lot of these times when you you know he bought them on eBay and. They came with a lot of extra stuff that he didn't need, so he wound up getting doubles of some things, and he wound up giving me a couple of his old, like, 80s, 70s, 80s era Nikkor, you know, manual focus lenses. And these things are beat sure. to shit. Like, like, these things are, like, definitely well, well-worn well and, you know, well-used. And some of them even have, like, actual visible, you know, blemishes and scratches on the front and back glass and stuff like that. But, but I took them out, and there's just something kind of fun about putting you know, a crappier lens on, on a modern camera and you get a sure. certain it's, look, it's, it's, you know? And I think that's, it's the whole guy. Yeah, effect. exactly. I, and, I, and I think there's some merit to that. I think that's fun. No. And I think that's fine. And I think it's a really neat hack. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, but I mean, in many ways, that's what yeah, it is. Of course. Right? This, is, this is just a fun little camera it's hack. Fun. Um, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. So I have an, uh, an old Kodak folding camera in the closet from like, I don't know, the fifties or the forties that my mother mm-hmm. gave me. Uh, that she found in an antique store, a friend of hers gave her. Um, and so I popped the back off of it, but this is a, it essentially shoots like a six by nine negative, mm-hmm. like big, you know, like medium format size negative. Cause it uses one twenty, well, six twenty film, which is essentially like one twenty film on a different spindle like postcard size almost. Well, no, I mean, it's six by nine, uh, uh, Oh, centimeters, centimeters like that, gotcha. that kind of size, like, you know, a couple inches yeah, yeah, by yeah. an inch yeah. or two, you know, um, and uh, I guess that's two by three inches, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so this lens, the way it is, on a little tiny sensor, it ends up, essentially, it's like a, cro- a super cropped sensor is what's going on. Um, so I, cro- I cropped the sensor, uh, or, or, oops, did I just do something bad? Well, we did just hit the hour mark. No, it's not that. Hold on a minute. I think it's fine. Um, uh, it's, it's to do... Um, 
uh, I, I, I tried doing the same thing with this one. The problem is it ends up acting like, like a 200 millimeter lens, like a really long lens. And the way that it focuses, the only place I could get it's it focused was like three inches right. away. So it was like, basically you could only use it as essentially a macro. So lens. You, you held it up to your cam camera. Oh okay. yeah. I turned it upside down and I put it on bulb mode and I opened the shutter right. And then I turned it upside down and backwards and kind of like it's the best way to yeah, fit yeah, it yeah. sort of in front of the cannon. Um, and I took a couple of pictures of Heather last night just kind of messing around with it. But again, the only way I could the, – the biggest shot I could get was essentially like Heather's lip to the top of her eye. You know what I mean? Like it was like really yeah. tight. Um, but it was just kind of a fun, silly little thing. Um, but, uh, you know, fun if you have one of those things. You can try it out. Nice. Anything else you want to add? Um. Let me see. We talked a lot about i. You know what? There's one other. Well, since we made a huge list of uh, iOS, iPhone, iPad apps that uh, we like, there's one other one because this is something I recently implemented with great success, and that is Air Video Server. I think is what it's called. Air, so yeah, here it's called Air Video, and it's a the the app on the iOS device is essentially just like a player. Um, but there's also, there's also, uh, a server component that you install on your computer. And I think it does exist for, so you could use this to like sit around your apartment watching crap you've downloaded. I can, without- but here's, here's the thing because of the way it does the encoding and because of the way, uh, the server has been set up with, um, accessing the internet, it can, it can stream over 3g. So, if I have a yeah, so if I download some television shows on my computer and I'm out, you know, walking around or I'm at the gym or I'm on a I'm on a train or you know in a car or whatever and I want to watch the latest episode or whatever, as long as my computer is on and online, I can access it and the server is running and you know we obviously I have the server installed and configured properly, um, I can do that with this. It's really you cool. You use one of those uh, that keeps track of what your IP address is, right? A, da, a dynamic domain, do, a dynamic yeah. domain service. Yes. Di, yeah. Di, I use dynedns.com. Um, been using them for years. Good right. stuff. Uh, what do you pay? Twenty bucks no, a year? No, it's free. You can you oh, can I use see. the pay for, but my router has a little home home phone homer thingy. The the the, the trick is with dynedns. Uh, if you don't access your account uh, within 30 days, they delete it. So a lot of routers, even link, old school, Linksys has been doing this for years. They have a little Dyn DNS, you know, demon thing that runs in the background. And once you, you just type in your, your Dyn DNS account info, and then it'll ping the Dyn DNS server, you know, anytime your IP changes or once every 30 days. And it works out great. Interesting. Yeah. I will have to check that out. Yep. Uh, that's also useful for doing remote access. Yeah, it's stuff. very handy. Oh, speaking of remote access, another app that I bought. This is the first app I bought with my gift card. Um, and it's called, I believe it's called Screens. Yeah, Screens VNC. It's a little pricey. It's 20 bucks, But it is by far the most, um, what's the word, consistent, most uh, well-behaved and like best, like smartest designed VNC app for iOS I have seen um, to date. And they just added this new server service, um, which you go to their website and I don't know, I don't know exactly how it works. I think it, it, I'd have to do a little bit more research, but long story short, you, you go to their website, you download this little preference pane. Let me see what it's called. Um, And it basically 
It's called Screens Connect. I think it's just, if you go to screensconnect.com to set it up. So if you have the Screens app on your phone uh, or, or iPad, and then you install the Screens Connect preference pane on your computer, you don't need to worry about remembering your IP address or anything like that. Like it, 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 it makes a hard connection between your computer and your phone. And the really cool thing about that is if you have multiple computers on your network um, at home, it, it's smart enough to, tra- to traverse that. It does some sort of weird, it, it, you know, it knows how to deal with NAT properly. Um, so you can connect to, you can choose which one you want. You can set it up on every computer at home and then connect to any one of them. As how do you feel about the security of the VNC thing? Well, based on how widely used it is by like certain certain proto- you know certain applications and certain protocols, I think it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I always just feel weird about opening up my system like that on the well, web. Well, you should. You know, it's potentially dangerous. There's, 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 way, you know, there's always someone out there trying to look, look for open doors. You know, but as long as you're yeah. smart about your passwords and you don't, you know, you don't do anything silly, you should be safe. Yeah. And it's pretty damn convenient, man. I mean, remoting into your machine from home is, is a nice little, uh, trick. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, I'll have to take a look yeah. at that. So. This turned into so we have lots of good turned into apps. like a an app, app selection list thing. pick episode. Yeah, we should. Uh, well, now that we have these things, maybe we can add that as a nice little thing that we do. What's that? New apps that we find over the time. Oh, for sure. For both Mac and for the sure. iOS. Um, all right, let's wrap this let's, thing up. Let's wrap it up. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, circuitous.tv is the website where you can find uh, the latest episodes and links to uh, our Twitter and our uh, iTunes. Yep. Circuitous.tv uh, is the place to go. And while you're there, yep. um, as you might remember from recent uh, recent episodes, we have switched over from uh, a, you know a freebie service to our own service for hosting our podcast. And uh, we are actually now spending a little bit of money to do it. And before, you know, we weren't really, we figured, you know, it was free, no big deal. But now that we're actually spending a little bit of money to put the podcast together, um, if if you guys are feeling generous, um, you know, it would be nice if, if uh, you know, you could help us out with, a, you know, a dollar or two or, or even better. There, we have one of those uh, Amazon associate links on the on the circuitous.tv page and that's really i mean i'm sure you've heard a jillion podcasts talk about it. it's really straightforward you basically just click on this link it takes you to amazon and then anything you buy on amazon you know you we get a little percentage of and uh you know it's nice it can help uh defray yeah it just helps i mean we're, we're talking i mean i think the cost of bandwidth and disk space that we're using is like you know three bucks a month or something. I mean, it's not like a lot, but it adds up over time. And we figured, you know, we, someone out there must like it enough to, 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 to tip us a a buck or two. That's what I'm saying. Very well done. Uh, and, uh, don't forget to go to iTunes and do some ratings for us. We got a lot of good ratings, uh, but, uh, give us a review. Uh, uh, at Bill Wadman and at Dan Gottesman on Twitter. And uh, and I think that's oh and uh, circuitousconversations at gmail dot com if you have any questions you want answered uh, we yes, can do ma'am. that and uh, other than that I think we're excellent good. all right we will talk to you bye bye. Okay.